another episode of Sweet Valley Online. This week, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins 42, Jessica's Secret. I'm Dove, and Elizabeth wants to know, have you started your period yet? I'm here with my not-so-evil twins, Wing and Raven. I'm Wing, and I have started my period. I'm Raven, and I have not started my period. Don't worry, Elizabeth will shoulder-pat you. Everyone's different, Raven. Well, we've we've lost Wing already. Um, <laughs> this is not a good sign. Oh, this is a good sign. <laughs> Should we go back to singing our names? No. <laughs> Raven doesn't let us have any fun on the second recording of a day. He thinks we uh, get distracted. There's a difference between fun and asinine cockwaffle. <laughs> All right. Why don't you give us a summary, Dove? I will indeed. Are you there, God? It's me, Jessica. A wondrous thing has happened. The twins have blossomed into womanhood, and Elizabeth cannot wait to tell her mother that, yes, hold the fucking presses, the Wakefields are menstruating. Except, you know, she never actually thought to ask Jess if she got hers. She just assumed that if she was on, so was Jess. I can only assume that they sneeze at the exact same same time, get nosebleeds, catch colds, lose teeth, etc., which would provoke Liz to think that their bodies were utterly identical. Armed with the newfound maturity bequeathed to them by their uterus wall lining busting free, the twins are allowed to go visit their cousin Robin in San Diego. They are both very excited, but for different reasons. Liz can't wait to do all the things that they did when they were teeny tiny tots, whereas Jessica wants to do something more exciting because they're grown up now. In the lead up to this trip, Jessica constantly lashes out at Elizabeth and spitefully throws in her face that Liz is so mature. Liz has a spine made of jello and invisibility and just takes it. In fact, she's actually proud of herself for not apologising to Jessica for Jessica insulting her in front of everyone. Once they arrive in San Diego, it appears that Robin is quite different from the last time they saw her. She's Jessica to the power of a billion. She's friends with a new cool clique. Clique? She's friends with a new cool clique called the Jaguars, and just like the unicorns, they are a group of white, wealthy, slender people who enjoy making life miserable for everyone. At a slumber party, the Jaguars lay out her pledge task to join them. Robin must sneak into the bedroom of Johnny Anderson, a totally cute junior, and convince him to drive her to the park at midnight where the Jaguars will be waiting. Also present at the slumber party is Becky, Robin's BFF before she got popular. She and Liz hit it off and are excluded from the pledge task. The Jaguars sneak out to the park, Team Rossica heads towards Johnny's house, and Team Elizabeth stay home and play Cluedo, or detective. After a few minutes, Robin's sister comes down and asks where everyone is. She doesn't believe Liz for a second when she says everything's going to be fine. Stacy wakes up her parents and Team Rossica and the hags are rumbled. Robin gets grounded forever and the twins are sent home. On the bus, Jessica refuses to speak to Elizabeth, furious that her oh-so-mature sister tattled on her. They have to change buses on the way home, because the plot says so, and Jessica gets off the bus to get a soda. The bus pulls away, leaving her stranded. However, Liz got off the bus too, so at least they're together. This forces Jessica to come clean. She never got her period, and she's been jealous all the time and lashing out at Liz for daring to go first. Elizabeth forgives her and Jessica admits that she was glad her sister was worried about her. Jessica then excuses herself to go to the bathroom and what do you know? Periods for everyone. You get a period and you get a period and you get a period. I'm done.
Nice. Raven, could you say the name of the club for me? Hangout? No, not that club. The club in this, like the unicorn equivalent. Oh, the Jaguars. Is that how you guys pronounce it? Yes, and we also pronounce it clique. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. Oh, is this because you say like jaguar? Jaguars. Yeah, jaguars. So the jaguars is really making me laugh every time. Though I'm obviously prone to laugh after you. Yes, jaguars. Jaguars. That's wow, jaguars. Interesting. I so I wasn't sure if it was a click mess up. Click, click, yeah. But uh, interesting. Yeah, no, cl- click in English. Click in American. Apparently. According this, to dictionary.com. Uh, but no, really, jaguars, jaguars. Even after this long of friendship, there are occasionally word pronunciations that uh, catch me off guard. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a surprise no one didn't come come up before, especially the time we both got attacked by jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> you think that might have come out then, but no. <laughs> help, help, a bleeding. It's pronounced jaguars. <laughs> it's just the time we hung out with giraffes on the uh, safari <laughs> in the uh, theme park. I pronounce giraffes. <laughs> I think you'll find, actually, we all agreed that it was rough. Yep, that's true. For those only listening, you have to do a really slow look up to the to the gi- giraffe's head. All right. Excellent summary. Hilarious. I almost died. And then five minutes of complete nonsense, as usual, <laughs> for the second podcast that we record. We're good. We're good. We're on task. Yep. We're awesome. We're rolling. Raven, was this your first ever book about periods, just out of interest? Because I'm assuming most boys haven't read Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, even though most girls have it committed to memory. No, we have not. We have not read... uh, What was it called again? Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. No, no. What we have read is Are You There, God, It's Me, John McLean. (laughs) (laughs) Totally different book. Yeah, people bleed for completely different reasons. Yes, this was my first book about periods. Although, as I'll mention later on, it didn't really feel like a book about periods. It felt like a book about, again, the twins growing up and rebelling, which had period talk at the beginning and at the end. And any time Elizabeth was around a female who might be ovulating. Well, she didn't really mention... Yeah, I, I, I get that, yes, when she's talking to Amy and people back at home. But when she's around the Jaguars and um, the people in San Francisco, Diego. Diego. uh, uh, When she's around the people in San Diego, she doesn't really talk about periods that much. No, that's fair. It kind of dies off in the middle as we're dealing with initiation. That's because, to be honest, once she gets to San Diego, she doesn't really talk to anyone but Stacy because Team Rossica are just like unicorn to the power of a billion. And she's bored silly. And her only friend is an eight-year-old. And even Elizabeth knows that eight-year-olds probably aren't the best people to talk periods with (laughs) very true can i just say i really hope that the next book has a description saying this is jessica this is elizabeth she's had her period um this is jessica her period was four minutes later that would be amazing (laughs) with that and the earrings i need the descriptions to change immediately (laughs) (laughs) yes i um reading this book i did enjoy this book spoilers for everyone um before we get to the end I did feel that I was not the target audience for a lot of vast swathes of it. Well, maybe once you get your period, you'll enjoy it more. Well, you know, we live in hope. That was very Elizabeth condescending there, Tom. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm going to continue growing my beard until my ovulation kicks in. I do think that Raven makes a good point that it does kind of fit into the growing pains of preteens becoming teenagers, becoming adults. But for 
a huge chunk of preteens, the period is a part of it. So I, uh, it's interesting to me that it didn't feel like a period book to you, where it absolutely felt like a period book to me, even though it does die off, the talk of it does die off in the middle, as we focus on the jaguars. Yeah, I just found Elizabeth just really strange. She just couldn't help but stop talking. You're a girl, do you have your period yet? I wonder if she's had a period yet. Is she on her period now? I wonder if she uses Tampax or sanitary towels. You know, it's it's the period channel 24-7 in Elizabeth's brain, this book. I, I, I do take that on board, yes. I, I do agree with that. Elizabeth is completely, oddly obsessed with the whole thing. I The thing that made me think that that was, should we say, okay, was we've had history of, of that sort of thing in the past from everyone because everyone at the Unicorner was randomly talking about periods as well, which was winding Jessica up because she hasn't had hers at this point. But if you remember when Mr. Davis announced the bikeathon, everyone was bikes, 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 and then all of a sudden, fuck bikes. And I think they, that's the kind of thing that they do. It's like, oh, topic of the week. We're going to talk about periods. Periods, 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 and then, meh, gone. I'm presuming there isn't much period talk in the rest of the series until we get to... Jessica's late. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's late, yes, yes. Followed by who's the daddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We have to fill out a, a survey for that just to narrow things down. Yeah, spoilers, like it. it's Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very bleak valley. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> so that's a good point that Yes, every time something new comes up, there's an obsession over it. And in some ways, the talk, say at the lunchroom talk at the Unicorner, didn't bother me so much because stuff like that, like, oh, I can't eat these, I break out before my period, that's very normal talk uh, from my experience. It was Elizabeth's obsession that she and Jessica started at the same time. That was my yeah. big clue that yeah. I this book is going to be weird because the fuck is going on there as dove so succinctly laid out in her summary does literally everything happen to your bodies at the same time no why in the world would you think this then that got me the way that alice didn't go well because obviously the the way that they announced it to the wakefield compound was they went downstairs and elizabeth said mother we're not your girls anymore and then alice went oh fantastic you've had that special day or whatever it was, whatever euphemism they, they, they came up with. And then I'm surprised she, she didn't go, really? At the same time? That's fucking weird. That conversation was incredibly veiled, which was weird because they just used the, the word period about 75 times. It was like Elizabeth said, we're not your girls anymore. And Alice's face lights up and she, went, and she says, you don't mean dot, dot, dot. Well, she's not going to go downstairs and say, hi, mum, I'm bleeding from the vag. Is she? Yeah, but I think I, I pretty just went, my period started and then ran out the room. Well, that's the other thing that I find kind of weird about this is the excitement over it. So Jessica's concerns about falling behind. Yes, that rang really true. Because when everybody's going through these changes and you don't, you can get really self-conscious and all of those things. But the excitement over it happening, like it's this wonderful thing that I don't get. And I've never understood that in books, but especially here, like it's just their bodies are so weirdly de-sexed in a lot of the conversations that it just felt really weird to be so chipper about this. Like, yay, 
this change, this change that's going to make you miserable for decades and decades and decades, which obviously is coming from an adult perspective of hating No it, more so. white pants for you, my friend. Right? <laughs> <laughs> also, I just want to know, and we won't really, or I don't think we'll really talk about it ongoing throughout because you kind of have to take this book as what it is. This is a very cisgender uh, response to periods and uh, bodies changing and we're not really your girls anymore stuff like that so just so you guys know up front it is that we are aware that it's that uh we're kind of going to talk about the book as it is but it's, it is just very narrowly defined puberty and what makes a woman and what makes a girl and things like that yeah because the fact that she said we're not your girls anymore i'm like oh do you want to be called like emma and jasper that's such a vague statement. It could be the opening for literally anything. And Alice immediately goes, I know what this means in Wakefield language. Menzies. It's their other secret language. <laughs> we are not your girls anymore. We are now Power Rangers. <laughs> you should go out fighting crime for a few books. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be awesome. Let's have that be a real thing. I'm not entirely sure that's not a spin-off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Just to touch on the whole, oh, Jessica was a bit upset that, you know, a bit concerned that she hadn't uh, had her period at the same time as Elizabeth and she was worried about falling behind. Is there, is it a problem that some people don't get periods? Yeah. Like forever? Is that a common thing? Anyone with an eating disorder is likely to have their period stop. Stop, yes, but never start. Yeah, like athletes. A lot of ballet dancers don't get theirs, so it is a thing. So that's a real concern if you think, oh, hang on, my sister's had a period. I haven't. I must be wrong. So, yes and no. Like, I don't think Jessica's concern is that she'll never get it I, so much as, like, I should have it, like people are leaving me behind because yeah, that's a valid feeling for a preteen girl of the situation. Yes, absolutely. So whether people don't get it all. Yeah. If you, you have to have a certain body fat percentage usually to have for your body to do that. Uh, so gymnasts and ballet dancers often don't start until uh, they've stopped being professional athletes or really uh, uh, into it. Yeah, this is a fear. But I'm, I'm assuming that that's a known thing of the industry that they're in, maybe? Yes, within the industry. This kind of thing was freely... I mean, I don't know what it's like in America, but this kind of information was freely available in Just 17. Like, I literally knew everything about contraception and sex and periods, like because it just non-stop gave information however i think america's more of the pray to jesus and none of this will matter yeah we're definitely going to have a huge split here there especially in the 80s and 90s there wasn't a lot of talk you might get a birds and the bees as we call it talk from your parents maybe but not always there certainly wasn't a decent sex ed in the schools uh you might sneak books like uh are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Or what's I think it's called Genie uh, by Genie Blue, which had uh, some sexual awakening in it. You would seek those books or read them if you weren't seeking them, but that was kind of thing. So yeah, it certainly wasn't something that was super well known. But also, again, I don't think necessarily the concern is that you'll never get it because the assumption is that you will eventually. It's that if you don't get it now, you're not like your peers. And that's a terrible thing. Like, that's such a huge fear for so many uh, preteen kids. Uh, so, yeah, like, there's definitely not a ton of talk about how it works or 
when you should or shouldn't get it or anything. So it is kind of that, oh my God, everyone's starting to get it. Why am I not getting it? Not necessarily, why won't I ever get it, but why don't I have it now? And just for contrast, in England, in our last year of primary school, so the age of 10, we were all taken out separately, girls and boys, and told about puberty and what girls and boys would go through. However, they separated us because they thought girls and boys hearing about what the other sex's body would do would make us giggly and silly and not take it in. So, But they, we, we were all given the same information. So even the boys were told um, they probably weren't given a full rundown of how you attach a sanitary pad to your knickers or how when you're when you're a little bit older and more comfortable with your body you might want to use tampax but they were certainly told how periods work why they work what it is and that was age 10. So are you telling me that you guys actually you as uh your side of things actually got told how to put on a pad or how to use tip like these were things that you were told oh yeah yeah our person like uh got out various ones and she also brought up the fact that in are you there god it's me margaret there's reference to a belt and a hook and those are very old-fashioned uh but now they come with a sticky pad and she uh ripped off the sticky pad and she was like right this end goes at the front and this end goes at the back and you want to like just put it on the gusset and sometimes they have wings and if you do a lot of sport you might want that and it was very detailed, as you can tell, because I can fucking recall it. It was much more information than I ever got from my mother. And it was obviously very much backed up by just 17. But she like showed us on a diagram of a woman's insides how you would use um, an applicator to insert a tampon. I am so sorry for anyone who's listening and who's just like, I don't want to know this. But yeah, that's um, she showed us how it would work and how it doesn't make you no longer a virgin. So two thoughts here. One, the real quick one is there shouldn't be any like this should be common conversation. Like this is not a big deal uh, if you're listening and you're super upset about it. I think that's kind of a problem. So just throw that out there. The other hand is what the fuck United States? The fuck? Literally nothing like that not a goddamn thing like that nothing nothing like that at least my small town school i can't speak to other schools but jesus christ nothing like that like that would have been so fucking useful make america great again america was never fucking great holy shit okay sorry just she's blown my mind with this thing being a thing that happened i can't Raven, from a guy's perspective, what did they tell you? Did you have something like this? I mean, obviously not the practicalities of how to use tampons. I don't remember any sex education when I was in primary school. Uh, Not at all. But then again, I was too busy running around the playground with me mate pretending I was in the Dukes of Hazzard. So it's not the kind of thing that would necessarily... I'd necessarily recall. When we were in secondary school, so... And early on in secondary school, I want to say maybe 12, maybe 13 at that sort of age, we did have some sexual education classes and they were giggle fits, as you can imagine. The thing with it, the, the, the two things to remember, the two things about it that I want to mention is the, the first one is I went to an all boys secondary school. So we got the male perspective, shall we say. Um, I don't think I was adequately prepared for the female side of things until much later in my life when things 
were discovered naturally, shall we say. Um, but the other thing I remember is our teacher telling us these things, things about puberty and stuff, and we'd laugh. And the, the big overriding memory <clears throat> was a guy in our class called Tony, who was uh, head of the rugby team, Mr. Popular, and yeah, somebody that I didn't particularly get along with because he was a bit of a dick. Um, and he thought he, he was the big know-it-all about girls and stuff like that, had loads of girlfriends, etc., etc., or so he claimed. And <laughs> one of the questions that our teacher asked was, okay, boys, does anyone know what VD stands for? And he put his hand up and he answered with the phrase vagina disease. And everybody <laughs> laughed because we all knew it wasn't vagina disease. And, and I think it's quite telling that that is the main memory that I have of my sexual education class was another boy making a bit of a fool of right. himself and everybody laughing. That's so interesting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm also surprised the way um, Dove describes hers because as far as I was aware, you were from a very Catholic schooling. You and always quite religious, say I'm Catholic. So that, I'm not. I'm Church of England. They're much pardon. more okay, open. Sorry. A very, a very religious, uh, you're a very religious side. So it surprises me that there was that openness. I also wanted to add a few more things that I forgot to add. They gave us handouts that went through in great detail period. They also recommended a book called Your Body and You. And I think pretty much every single girl came in with an order form the next day for it. Every parent approved it. We also got letters home to our parents and they gave us some individually wrapped sanitary towels and said, you might want to keep these in your bag when you go to big school, secondary school. So they still called it big school, but they gave us all this information. I will also say that at that time, my primary school is genuinely outstanding. People would spend millions of pounds to buy houses in the catchment area. Just be, it, it was in a very expensive area. I was just on the council estate bit next to it. So don't for a second think I grew up with a silver spoon. I really didn't. But um, my primary school was outstanding. Also, to go back to Wing's point about sex ed, they suggested that we bought a book called Your Body and You. They also recommended that you bought a book, very scientific, but still very informative about reproduction. And I'm pretty sure that most parents bought that as well for their 10-year-old girls at a church school. So I guess that's a massive difference between the US and the UK. We pray to God that it will be okay, but we also use condoms because we're not idiots and God's got better things to do. Well, no, you don't pray to God that it to be okay. You just don't have sex. Abstinence is the only way. If you have sex, you'll die. That bit of Mean Girls is obviously uh, making fun of it and going to extremes. But yeah, it's there's still a huge swath of the country that abstinence-only sex education is it. Like, that's what you get. And yeah, we definitely had books, too. I kind of think it was called... Our bodies, ourselves, or your body, yourself, something like that. But that's where a lot yeah, of people got their actual. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just nothing really with schools that I went through. We kind of maybe vaguely had a quick sex ed talk. It, it would have been in high schools, 13, 14, 15. My secondary school wasn't half as good. Your primary school sounds amazing. To it be was honest. outstanding. I was like way ahead of the curve when I got into secondary school, which is probably why I got away with doing no homework or barely showing up. 
But yeah, so this this idea of the school providing education just is blowing my mind. Uh, we had a very excellent head teacher and she actually retired in my last year. So oh, wow, nice. possibly for all I know, everything went downhill after that. But she was outstanding. She was, you know, on the one hand, she was teaching you calligraphy because everyone likes a person with nice handwriting. And on the other hand, she's inviting people to tell 10 year old girls, this is how you use a tampon. And it won't make you no longer a virgin. That particularly is just such a shocking thing to me that they talked about that. Because that was definitely some of the rumor stuff that went around. Like, oh, if you use tampons, you're no longer a virgin. Or, oh, you know, it'll hurt if you put it in the fridge. Just all of this stuff. I would be curious, listeners, if you have stories about uh, sex ed or even just puberty education at your schools. If you let us know, because I'm kind of curious as to... How Let us know what country. Like. Yeah, or even what part of the country, uh, depending on if you think that has a big influence. But I think it does. So yeah, what part of the country, when you went through it, what 90s, 80s, 2000s, 2010s, I guess, potentially. So yeah, just let us know that kind of stuff, because I'm really curious as to what it's like. And I'll go, I have a nephew who's in his senior year. Maybe I'll uh, grab him and see if he could give us a breakdown. Awesome. So going back to the book. Yeah, sorry. There was no actual mention of sex ed in, in the book. No. So uh, unless there's like a, a special class that Mr. Nydick runs or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> Are we taking that Elizabeth received that knowledge of, of, of what was to happen from her folks? Well, um, or from school that we just don't have not been covered with? She's not like, what the hell? Right. Yeah, it's not like the opening scene of Carrie. No, well, she did say, Alice, once she's figured out what not girls means, she says, do you want to talk about anything? And Elizabeth very quickly says, no, you gave us the birds and the bees talk. We know everything. So in theory, that is a thing that has happened. God only knows what Alice said. Also, Elizabeth is a voracious reader, uh, and it's very possible that she did, even if Alice gave them kind of a birds and bees, no matter how detailed, uh, it's quite possible Elizabeth immediately went and read up on everything. So that does kind of sound like the sort of thing she would have done, because it's the kind of thing that I would have done. Because yes, I know, there's a huge amount of Elizabeth in me. Shut your face, Dove. A very special edition of the Amanda Howard Mysteries. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I suppose if we step away from Elizabeth's obsession with periods, there was also this weird thing where, like, the next day after school, they go shopping for sanitary pads. It's like, what were you doing for the previous 24 hours? Because, like, any girl will tell you, crossing your legs doesn't help at all. Probably makes things worse sometimes. Yeah. That's a really good point. And especially because we're led to believe that, like, there's nothing in here that Alice is, in menopause or anything like that so at the very least she is going to have uh supplies around but also as excited as she is i do not for a second believe she did not immediately rush them out to show them what to buy not for a second do i believe that didn't happen yeah she was tired you know she's had a half a half day at work so she couldn't drive because she was so full of gin she brought home work last night like i do think Uh, on a meta level what happened is that they wanted that awkward scene of buying supplies which is so true it's so realistic and just timeline wise because of what else happens in the plot they had to work it in in an awkward spot because i love the scene it just doesn't make sense that it happened when it happened 
I might have to link to um, House of Fun by Madness on, in the recap because that's obviously from the boys' perspective. Guy going into the chemist trying to buy condoms. That's what that song's about. So Yeah, nice. I actually thought that scene was from Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And I was about to get incredibly snarky about it. And then I went and reread that scene. And actually in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, Margaret and Janie are buying um, sanitary towels in advance. And they're both psyching themselves up for it. And they realize there's a boy cashier and Janie's about to run out. And Margaret just steps forward and she went, we'll take these. And the boy couldn't care less. And I really thought like the whole, hey, how much of these happened in that? But clearly it didn't. I've just linked these two together. The embarrassment is real because I have been sent out on a sanitary towel, sanitary product purchasing. Yes, Raven will freely buy me anything I need, which is amazing. Um, and I remember the first time um, I was just given a picture of, of the product and there was just an array of things that these, I mean, I didn't really know what I was looking for. And I ended up having to ask a woman in the same aisle, saying, is this this with, with, with different products? Um, but, you know, it took, it did, did take a little sort of courage for me to sort of go, am I getting the right thing? And she was like, yes, that is that. That's fine. And I was like, oh, good. But, I mean, I was, what, 30, 33, 34, something like that when that happened? So, being 12 and doing it, well, yeah, fair enough. I bet she walked away going, what a nice man. And possibly going home to kick her husband who isn't willing to do it because there are many men who are unwilling to buy their women folk. Many, many really? men. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's God, a it's such a thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. You are, yes, you are a minority in this alone. <laughs> I know it sounds very, oh, well, I'm absolutely awesome, but that sounds, that's very odd to me, that, because people need things. It, it's just like shampoo, isn't it? Thank you need you. shampoo, I'll go and buy that. Yeah, okay. It's like, I'm, I'm not sitting there going, yeah, hey, I'm going to take these home and shove them up my arse. <laughs> I'll have to ask, I mean, uh, Ostrich will buy it too because he does all the grocery shopping and stuff for us. I'll have to ask if he was ever embarrassed because I'm not wedded to a specific box, so I couldn't send a picture, but he did want really clear details of what he was like there's a thousand of choices (laughs) give me specific details yeah i mean it's overwhelming to me and i've been dealing with this for like 20 years (laughs) yeah i don't even know how i landed on the brand that i landed on because nobody ever gave me any guidance i'm like right okay these are bright pink i'll buy them i like bright pink and then it's like well these were a bit rubbish let's try these and it's like they they come in a purple box i'll buy those (laughs) that's probably true There's a unicorn on that one. Oh, man. Lisa Frank branded pads and tampons. Why did that never happen? (laughs) Holy cow. That would have been perfect. Uh, Yeah, so this kind of awkwardness was really real. And Dove's right. Like, there are a ton of adults that just refuse to buy them for their partners. It's crap. It's such crap. Which is why earlier I was like, this this should not be an uncomfortable conversation. This is a part of bodies this happens it wasn't so much that i think i was saying anything gross or weird i just thought someone might get blindsided by precisely how detailed i was going on about my sex ed and period education at school because they possibly weren't expecting that although to be fair if they listen to us they should know we'll we'll bring some personal stories i mean i certainly wasn't expecting it to have been that detailed but i'm upset in much different ways because holy shit america but yeah so that's fair you also get people i mean obviously i do all the shop and i've seen people getting embarrassed by buying toilet roll really yeah it's like you know everyone shits 
right? There's a whole book about it, a little kid's book. That's I never do that. That's weird. Yeah, they're sitting there going, oh, oh just, just sneaking it onto the conveyor. It's like I sneak. I sneak Slimming World magazine and cream eggs onto the conveyor because <laughs> that's like, uh, okay, don't don't look at me while I do that. But everything else, you're just like, yeah, it's just a thing, isn't it? Just buy it. This is the time of year when we have Cadbury cream eggs everywhere. I have to yeah. go buy some. Oh, my God. Or if you've ever worked in retail, 5021600s. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Their barcode doesn't scan properly. So over Easter, you type it in so often. And obviously, I haven't done this since 1996. It's still in there. That's wild. That's wild. And anyway, if you really, really want to um, embarrass yourself in front of a cashier, what you want to do is the Ed Byrne thing. When you're buying booze for a party, even if you've got no kids, whatever, you buy booze for a party, you fill up your trolley full of booze, and then you put a box of 24 nappies on top of the booze. <laughs> you take it through to the cashier, you ring it all through and say, oh, how much is all that? Oh, it's a bit expensive, that. Okay, we'll leave the nappies. <laughs> God, you're such a troll. I'm telling Ostrich as soon as we're done recording this because he is going to do that next time. Good. That's, that's an Ed Byrne thing. That, that's not me. That's a, one of his routines. Just <laughs> oh, he brilliant, may have heard brilliant. it then, but oh, that's amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, should we move on from the periods and talk about the rest of the book? Because as I say, the period stuff did sort of top and tail this book. And there was the whole thing with the Jaguars and um, Robin um, that we yes. can talk about. You guys, Raven makes the funniest face every time he says jaguar jaguars in my pronunciation jaguars <laughs> oh it's slightly sassy isn't it it's like a little bit camp and he's clearly making fun of me i am yes that's fine <laughs> you should well, be no, used to the that listeners don't expect anything less I'm, i mean i'm honest it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so the rest of the book happened right robin i did not like her at all. I thought she was horrible. She didn't have any redeeming feet. Well, I suppose she did. She bought that really nice necklace for her sister. Because um, I didn't cover this in my recap, but day after the twins arrive, it's Robin's younger sister's eighth birthday. And Robin buys her um, a really nice gold locket with her birthstone in the center of it. And I'm thinking, good gosh, Robin must get a lot of pocket money because I went through a massive phase of wanting a locket when I was about her age. Um, and I couldn't afford one. I had to save for fucking ages just to buy a silver one. So the fact that she bought a gold one, I'm like, yeah, she's got some money. Also, let's talk about the genetics of this family as well. Hold on, before you do that, just really briefly. Alternatively, the parents paid for it. She just picked it out, which is what my assumption was based on... Uh, the Wakefields and the family ties because you're going to definitely go into the weirdness here. So go for it. Okay, right. The aunt and uncle are called Kirk and Nancy. Kirk is a big, tall man who plays basketball. Sounds like a Wakefield thus far because their surname is, in fact, Wakefield. But he is ginger, and I don't believe that there are any ginger genes in the Wakefields. And weirdly enough, Nancy looks just like the twins' mother. So either when Kirk married Nancy, he took her surname or Kirk married a woman that looks identical to his sister. One of these things is very Wakefield. The other is not. But surely if, I mean, Alice's name wasn't Wakefield before she married Ned. I oh, presume. shit. I'd forgotten no, about so that. It's Grandma and Grandpa Robertson and 
So they're Alice's parents. And they, in the last book, they're very clearly going to see Alice's sister, right? Oh, so how is their surname Wakefield? Uh, I, is their surname Wakefield? I didn't think it's, there was. It's not said in this book, but it is in a later one. Robin is referred to as Robin Wakefield. Oh. Okay, that's interesting continuity error then, I guess. I mean, maybe it's that she doesn't have a surname and someone went, oh, well, she she's a cousin, so she must be a Wakefield. Probably. Yeah. So, okay, all right, okay, that's totally my error. Well, no, however, I'm going to definitely read this as the uncle is super cool and just a great guy and hated his family or hated his last name and uh, took the Wakefield name because he didn't give a fuck as to what was normal. I love that. You took the Wakefield name from who, though? In, in yeah, because you just said Robertson. Never yeah, mind, you're right. Unless... Unless he's like Ned's cousin or something. Right, unless... Yeah, brothers married sisters. Yeah. Did he look over and see the Wakefields and say they're cool in their Wakefield compound with their twins and their incesty <laughs> idiot son? I'm going to become a Wakefield, yeah. You know, that's a very fair point. So maybe he's a cousin or a relative of Ned. Yeah, that does happen, you know. It's a little bit weird, but it does happen. I will say at this point, it's not Teen Grapplegate's fault that this is creepy and confusing it is a later book where robin is referred to as robin wakefield so we do see more of robin sadly yes oh good i was confused <laughs> in your recap where you're like talking about the being wakefield so i don't remember a name but okay i just assumed it was something from the big like later on yeah i, th I thought it's something i'd missed but yeah but uh that is really interesting and yes uh, my dad and his brother married sisters so it does happen yes wow that's kind of cool and creepy all at once. <laughs> yes, mostly creepy just because of how terrible his brother was. But yes, in general, the idea is both cool and creepy. I think there's been a thing in like Guinness Book of Records that identical twins married identical twins and then both had identical twins. So Seven brides for seven brothers, that's a thing. <laughs> just think how blown PJ's mind would be from uh, the Christmas ghost given no the ghost in the graveyard when he was like oh it's not every day you meet four people with two faces with that family he'd be fucking mind blown <laughs> <laughs> there were too many twins in that book as it was so now my mind is just oh I can't handle that many twins to be fair there's too many twins in all of these books oh well, that's fair <laughs> uh, so Robin she was a weird mix of Jessica and Elizabeth to me like she has that kind of thing where she's really obsessed with popularity like Jessica and she really wants to make this name and all these things but she also has this weird weak backbone that just reminded me of Elizabeth backing down to Jessica so much. Do you think that that backbone well let me start that bit again I'm not I'm going to be contrary to this one I, I um is this fair because I, I seem to remember Jessica when she wanted to join the unicorns or when the unicorns ask her to do something, she's also very, well, I have to do this for the unicorns and have to do that. And yes, her backbone displays itself when she's like, right, okay, the unicorns want me to do X. I'm going to do X by killing five people. You know, so she's got more sass and verve about her. But it's still cut from the same cloth, isn't it? It's still this desire to please. Well, to me, it's... It I guess it kind of seems less like a desire to please and more like Jessica is that type of person. Like that's the kind of stuff she would be setting as initiations too. So what she does with Lila in particular, 
Okay, wow, that sentence carried a different meaning than I meant. What she does with the unicorns is just an extension of what she already is. Whereas with Robin, it felt like she was trying to change her personality to fit in. Uh, so that was the difference to me. But you're right, Jessica does go through the initiations in the same way, which is basically pleasing this group you want to join. I mean, that is fair, especially the way that um, Robin makes up some spurious nonsense about being having a boyfriend and you know sort of bigging herself up making herself something that she isn't that does seem like she's trying to fit in when she knows deep down that she doesn't fit in whereas jessica's basically i am a unicorn and she is a unicorn she's peak unicorn her and lila are basically the horns on a unicorn they are the most unicorn to ever unicorn jessica actually did date a 16 year old with a red car Yes. Whereas Robin just claimed to. So at yeah, least Jessica... she didn't bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I was as well. Uh, I'm it, I'm actually surprised that Elizabeth didn't bring it up in a very sanctimonious, oh, well, I've got a story about how this ends badly. What if you end up on a double date with Stacey? If you end up on a double date with Stacey, so much more has gone wrong than her dating a 16-year-old. <laughs> Can I just say that I quite liked, what was the, the best, the old best Becky. friend called? Becky. I quite like Becky in this because obviously the kids um the the, 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 the elder Robins or whatever they're called were like, Oh yes, you can have this slumber party with your Jaguars as long as you invite Becky and she's like, No, not Becky, she's a bell end. I hate Becky, she's rubbish, she I don't know, she smells of moths, she's you know, she's 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 got square legs and all manner of things that just bad with Becky. And we learned that this was her best friend until two days ago. And and then when Becky arrives, narratively from these books, you expect her to be like, oh, she used to be my friend, but now she's got new friends and all I do is sit at home and eat cake. But instead, she was like, yeah, she's hanging around with the Jaguars. They're bellends. Um, you know, I don't give a toss anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm still cool. And I was like, go, Becky. We like Becky. She was awesome. I really hoped that they'd leave Elizabeth at home and bring Becky back. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love that. So we always get that thing where Elizabeth claims that she calls the unicorns a stomp squad. But as Dove has pointed out, she never actually says it. Oh, Becky flat out calls them the hags. It does so happily. <laughs> yeah. She is completely unperturbed that they don't like her. And her. it's awesome. And also something that makes her better than Elizabeth, but probably a bit annoying in the long run, is the fact that after the the initiation has gone awry and we'll come back to that um the next morning it's all very tense and becky's like dude i'm out of here and elizabeth's like won't you stay for breakfast and becky's like Fuck, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do think though that she, instead of calling them the hags what did, what did you suggest that you should call them um dove was it the pussies yeah i did wow. say there was probably some yeah. um there was probably some boys in the middle school who were making inappropriate jokes about yes. the hagu the haguas the haguas yeah. <laughs> hagua no ha it's pronounced haguas hagua <laughs> i hate you so much <laughs> Yeah, I did say that there was probably some some joke uh some jokes going around from like the 7th and 8th graders. Oh, for sure. So what do people think of the the jaguars? I thought they were a bunch of bellends, really. I th I thought they were evil unicorns. Yeah, they really are. evil unicorns because the unicorns are vapid wrongans, but they're they're 
they're our vapid wrongans. Yeah. <laughs> and we like them. We like a lot of things about them. And they, I can't imagine the unicorn, um, the jaguars, actually planning parties, or or doing things to raise money for the for their club, or having a treasurer. They just seem to be like, yeah, sort of sneery goth kids who just like, no, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go in there and go oh, to join our club. You've got to go and do a poo and then bring it back to us in your hand. And you're just like, just fuck off. That's really interesting that you call them goth kids. Cause I'm definitely picturing them as like the wannabe metalheads. <laughs> uh, the only reason I call them the goth kids is because um, when Robin was dressed in black, she's just dressed in black with a chain, a silver chain, and that just sort of made me think, yeah, goth kids. And she's trying, to, she's doing that to impress them. Well, that's very Parisian of her, though. Yeah, I forgot to credit Raven with this on the recap. I will go back and edit it because we've got time. When he was reading it at work, he just sent me a picture of the goth kids from South Park and just tagged it, the Jaguars. The Jaguars. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so much. I did a little head flick with it. Jaguars. You have to. Jaguars. Look, the Jaguars. <laughs> oh, it like... sounds so wrong in your accent. Yeah. <laughs> Jaguars uh, are a stereotype of the bad girls club. And to be fair, the unicorns are too, but they do interesting things. It doesn't seem like the Jaguars do. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we've only seen this one, two or three scenes in this book from the Jaguars. I'm sure if there was the Jaguar, uh, Jaguar club set of books that we were recapping, we might think different. I also want to point out how thick they are. Like, they're a fleet of Ellen Reitmans because as the twins open the front door, one of them goes, oh, are you the twins? And it's like two identical, beautiful blondes with sun-kissed skin and eyes the colour of the Pacific Ocean open the door. Yeah, they might be related, Bellend. <laughs> no, it's like, no, no, it's just me. I'm Jane and I'm carrying a mirror. <laughs> Oh my god, that would have been amazing. <laughs> also, though, to uh, to be fair to them, Robin looks just like them. So theoretically, and so does her mother. So you know, Wakefield, not Wakefield, weird genes passed on in weird ways here. Yeah, and we know from the cover of the books that everyone's got the same face. Yeah, <laughs> but no, you're right. They were just ridiculous. And maybe like we have had. 42 normal like regular series books up to this point to get to know stuff so it just they really felt like a mirror verse unicorns probably because we don't see this is all we see of them so that's a fair point yeah but at the same time i can't imagine them as raven said sitting around in their version of lila's bedroom discussing how cute kent kellerman was in that tv movie about cancer that's yeah. true. Like, they'd be too busy going, God, I hope I get cancer from my cigarettes. Because they smoke. Also, yeah, what's the main Jaguar's name? Vicky. Vicky <laughs> with an eye. Vicky with an eye is just such a poor knockoff of Lila. Like, Lila is smart and sharp. So, yeah, that killed it for me. I'm like, nah, you're not Lila. Yeah, she just, like, walks in and she was like, oh, you really thought we were going to sleep over? Only mega dweebs have slumber parties. And it's like, and she's not even good at insulting people like Lila is. Yeah, mega dweebs. <laughs> yeah, and then she followed it up with, like, when Becky walks in. like a in. thousand dweebs. Yeah. <laughs> then when Becky walks in, she went, who invited her? It's like, there's only one host, you dumb idiot. <laughs> who do you think invited her? I can't believe I'm about to defend her. 
But that's a very standard question to ask over here when you're like, why is she here? It's definitely who invited you? Okay, well, fuck that. Grammar matters. Syntax matters. <laughs> a better question would be, what is she doing there? Or if you want to be a real bitch about it, what is that doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's not what we do here. Sorry. We jaguars. <laughs> Don't say those One thing I would like to say about this book, which I did find quite, well, I, I really enjoyed, was this one seemed to just say, right then, we're going to take the stakes and we're going to fucking ratchet them through the roof. Because up until now, all the books have been about, oh no, this person likes this person. Oh, the new girl's in town. Oh, what's this? Blah, blah. But in this one, the twins get on a bus by themselves, disappear to another town. And then during the slumber party, Jessica and Robin just leave the house at midnight and wander into some stranger's house in this foreign town, foreign city. And it's like, this shit wouldn't happen if they were back in Sweet Valley. It was proper peril. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? Why all of a sudden uh, are they smoke, you know, talking about smoking and breaking into other people's houses? What happened to the time when they were just going to the mall? And it was, I, find it, I found it quite refreshing. Yeah, and, and quite exciting, to be honest. It's definitely a mature level kicked up, which... I've just thought of this saying this, but that's an interesting change considering the whole reason they've been allowed to go is because their parents are, they're hit puberty and they're going to be treated like they're older now and they're more mature than the last time they weren't allowed to go on a bus trip to see a relative. So it's interesting that the content of the book also kicks up a notch with that. Yes. Yeah. And also that pledge task. This is, this is Wing's comment because my first thought was these kids are going to die because and now's a really pertinent time to bring it up. Mm. America, in general, really likes their Second Amend- Amendment rights. You are looking at getting your head blown off with an AK-47 because, you know, I have a right to protect my home. That was my worst case scenario. And then Wing, I'm going to pass over to you to respond and add. Well, I was going to say, sadly, uh, any time, literally any time anymore is the right time to bring that kind of talk up. Literally any time uh yeah so my thought did not go there in part because it is such a like that's that's always a threat like it's just such a norm over here that yeah i didn't even it kind of floated out there like oh they might get shot but that's because we're so inured to it yeah it's so alien to us that it popped into my mind as a terrible thing, whereas given how things are in the US, it's still a terrible thing, but it's in your news a lot, whereas over here, it's just like, shit, that would never happen. Also, they're white girls, much less likely to get shot, let's be perfect. Rich white girls, even. This is a nice neighborhood. And they're blonde as well, so even the hair color in the dark would... But, uh, so this, so the fact that she has to break into the 16-year-old's bedroom to get here to get to drive somewhere coupled with the fact that becky tells elizabeth that there was previously a girl who failed her initiation and stayed out of school for a week combining those two things to me just immediately made me go to whatever initiation they set for that girl involved a guy and ended up with her raped and of course she didn't come to school for a week after because that's just that is a fear, a valid thing. Like you go climbing into some 16 year old boy's room, 
yeah, there's always that kind of potential for sexual violence. And no, I'm not saying that all guys are rapists, but you know a rapist. Like, some of your guy friends, some of your your friends who are girls too, someone, you know a rapist and you would never think they would do it, but this is a valid concern with this kind of initiation setup. Are we in Bleak Valley now? <laughs> Alas, no, this is just reality. <laughs> You're right. Basically, everything was turned up to 11. And it, you know, and while it's still massively horrible, it does make you think back nostalgically with happiness and, and, and relief when you think, oh, let's pick on the fat kid. <laughs> Spill some ice cream or something or put whatever, uh, shaving, shaving cream foam. Ice cream. Yeah. I think it's odd because this book and the actions that happened in this book are massive, massive pointers to the parents to say no hang on you're not mature enough to go out you're not old enough to do this you are basically children it's like the one time they were trusted they they pull this shit you know and 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 even even elizabeth who stayed at home and was like oh should we tell i don't know what should we do yes you tell because that shit's big and she doesn't know narratively i can see why she doesn't tell because she doesn't want to have that relationship with her sister for the rest of this book because it was a big thing her telling it was the correct thing to do and she should have but the fact that she didn't meant that they could easily get back to the jessica and elizabeth don't aren't mother each other for the next book and she was so relieved when stacy told yeah well, also, they are so unlikely to go to adults. Like, we see that time and time again. It's just that, it, the well, I guess the runaway boy, that's still a pretty intense situation. That was not really written in such a way that the danger felt real. Where it, it felt real here. Like, I assume that nothing was really going to happen of because course. this is Sweet Valley. But the tension is there. This could have gone so horribly wrong. And I think it was... Uh, continuity-wise realistic and also character-wise realistic for Elizabeth to have such concerns but not go for help. Uh, so, yeah, that was very tense, too. But also, I'm wondering, and I don't want detailed spoilers, but does this ever come up again in later books? Because, yes, this there's this theme that we've talked about in this episode and the previous episode about how these this batch of books has a huge bit of growing pains and we want to be treated like adults, but you're not treating us like adults. Well, they finally decided to treat them like adults with terrible results. Do we go back to them not being treated like adults? I think it, it hits the sweet Valley reset button where it's just back to business as usual. Um, there is a book later where they want to go to a seventh grade party and the parents say no because they're too young. And that, to be fair, would have been a brilliant time to go, yeah, remember that shit you pulled at Robin's house? That's why. Yeah. But they've been to seventh grade parties before. Exactly. So it it's just because the plot requires. Right, right I say, yeah. If they'd even just nodded back to the Robin situation, it would have made sense that, yeah, before that you could have gone to these parties, but now you've clearly fucked up, so no, you're not going. It makes me sad that this is such an intense, mature book for the series, and then, of course, it's just going to be reset, like, always. Like, that really disappoints me. Yeah. So uh, do you think we've tackled everything we want to say in this book? Well, I did have a question. What do you guys think about uh, Robin's face turn at the end? Where, so she, they can't find the right house, or they end up in the wrong house. Uh, 
would they do this? And so before the parrots show up after they've been told, they set her, the jaguar set her new initiation task, which is to go home and cut off Becky's hair while she sleeps. And Robin refuses, like that's a step too far for her. It does kind of feel like she's had, like it felt too easy a change to me. Like suddenly she's going to make up with Becky and she's given, she, the jaguars are bad news. And while they are, and all of this could have built to that, it just felt maybe because it happens off screen. We don't see it and we don't even hear about it till Jessica and Elizabeth are on their way back to Sweet Valley. Uh, so yeah, it just feels like a huge bit of too fast a turn for her. Like it doesn't make sense to me. For me, it felt incredibly manipulative because, um, as Wing says, we hear about this after the fact. So what happens is Team Rossica comes home and they're furious with Team Elizabeth and sleep in different rooms and they don't discuss it at all. And then, as we've said, Becky peels out of there before breakfast because there is no way she's dealing with that shit. She came for a slumber party. She walked into World War Three in the Wakefield Part 2 compound. And so she peels out of there. Good for her. Kirk and Nancy announced to Robin over breakfast that she is grounded for a month. And she says, oh, I've been such a bad person. You're right. The Jags are awful. I'm going to bike over to Becky's house and tell her how truly sorry I am. And they're like, excellent. That'd be great. Except for your fucking grounded. And she was like, oh, I hoped you hadn't noticed. And it just reads as manipulative. Mm. It's like, I don't actually give a shit about Becky. I haven't learned anything. I'm just saying what you want to hear. It was very Jessica at her worst and not in a hashtag best Jess kind of way, but just in a, I hate you kind of way. And so that's what we read first. And then we later hear that she wasn't willing to chop off Becky's hair while she slept. And it's like, well, given that I've just read this manipulative bit, it it feels like it's not so much that it was morally wrong, but more that, you know, Becky would wake up bald, scream her head off, and the, the fallout would be too much. It was like she'd process the consequences. And I just read her as a manipulative little cow and I didn't like her at all, even after her alleged face turn. It just felt slimy. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. What, what were you going to say, Wing? Sorry, I, I talked over you then. No, that. I was just going to say that that we see that before we hear about what happened. So it does color that. Also, uh, I like that Wakefield's point, uh, Wakefield's 2.0 actually ground their child and then stand by it the first time she wants to leave a plus there a plus compared to what we've seen elsewhere yeah and they're like we're gonna call all the parents and the twins are like oh we're fine well actually that jessica is and then they're like no all the parents it's like as if you're fucking not that's your sister's kids right like you clearly call i'm surprised you didn't call them last fucking night to be honest yeah i probably would have had my uh, nieces fucked up that bad, I would have immediately been like, yeah, mm. no, right now. You're talking to your parents immediately. Uh, well, uh, it depends. That was It was midnight at the time, wasn't okay. it? Okay. Yeah, actually, that's really uh, evil as well, because like, nobody likes being woken up in the middle of the night. So if someone wakes me up with the phone call, unless it's like a professional person, I'm like, just die in a fucking fire. I don't care if you want to go shopping. Call me after 11. And to be fair, it's the seeking out would not have been a tr- uh, thing that I would have done that over. Like, okay, you seek out to be with your friends. It's dangerous, but you're not going to be thinking about that kind of danger. I get that. I did it. It's fine. The fact that what she learned, like, they know that she was seeking into a guy's bedroom is my understanding of it. Like, that would have been like, you're breaking into people's houses and sneaking into teenage boys' bedrooms that you don't even fucking know. No, we're out. <laughs> Agreed. 
Agreed. Yeah. And the fact that he's a hot jock kind of makes it worse. And then theoretically, he's her secret boyfriend because Elizabeth doesn't know that he's not at that point. So she very well could have said, yeah, she's not going to do her boyfriend. Yeah, no, that would have. Also, you're secretly dating a 16-year-old? I don't fucking think so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jessica would know how exhausting that is. Yeah. They should have traded stories and Jessica should have got to the truth by like... Oh, yeah. You know, oh, right. So whose friend you... Who's... You know, which friend's house do you go to when you go out on a date with him kind of thing? Right. Because she's younger than the twins, only by a few months, but she is younger. And when you're 12, months matter. So, yeah, like this, it was weird. This whole ending was was weird. As usual, a lot of times uh, the endings don't land well, in part because it is going to be reset immediately after. But uh, all right. Yeah. So I'm done with regular discussion. Anything else from you guys? No, I'm done with it, too. I think we have covered everything incredibly co- uh, cohesively. No, coherently. Coherently. That's it. I'm I'm really tired. Can you tell? Okay, so Bleak Valley. Bleak Valley. honest i don't really have much no i don't really have much except for bleak liz actually did get her period does that that definitely ages bleak liz though doesn't it because we've not aged bleak liz before we had a discussion was whether she was the same age as the twins or whether she was like 30 or i mean she could be younger than them i mean you know you do hear like oh someone started their period age six it's incredibly unlikely so i'm not saying she's as young as six i'm just saying you know the fact that she might be nine or ten doesn't rule it out entirely but i do always see her as roughly the same age as the twins like i usually picture her as the same age sometimes i picture her as about 35 and that's even sadder oh that is why why stop seeing these things (laughs) (laughs) oh that's really sad so let's go with it. Let's go with the canon that she's the same age as the twins, because to be honest, that makes more logistical sense. Yeah, it also explains why romance hasn't played a part yet, and unless, of course, I don't know, maybe she's asexual, or maybe well, even then, if she's something been locked worse. away forever, yeah, like it, especially if she is being uh, abused, sexually abused, as we've kind of referred to potentially before romance might not be a thing though on the other hand she does catch tv and some books and some magazines where there's always a robot so it's kind of yeah i think it just for me it just works better she's around the same age as these fantasies she's having yeah yeah to be honest i don't really have much more than that other than i think she's actually ashamed of it and that's why she didn't let jessica get hers because jessica's kind of like her free-spirited excited self who's allowed to do all these things without consequence so she actually made jessica not get it as sort of like that was her saying yay you know jessica's free from this for another week or so and then tried to make it better by Jessica wanting to get her period because Jessica's, you know, awesome. 
in Bleak Liz's world. Also, of all the, the ways that people to get it and not know what it is, uh, Bleak Valley Elizabeth could have very well not known anything that yeah, was happening it, and been terrifying. Yeah, mm. opening scene of Carrie. Right. Oh, uh, let's give her telekinesis and sort this shit out. Let's do it. Ah. You burn it down. Uh, I'm having trouble with Bleak Valley this week because Sweet Valley was dark enough that... Uh, yeah. It's potentially dark enough that that's... Uh, thinking about Bleak Valley Elizabeth telling this really bleak story in Sweet Valley, it's kind of hard. Like, she's going through some shit, clearly, because if even her beloved Sweet Valley got potentially dark, that's a lot. That's saying something. Well... I haven't finalized this thought, so it might go nowhere. But what if her parents and the step-sibling actually went away for the weekend, for a long weekend, and she's been left alone? So that's why she sent Elizabeth and Jessica somewhere else, because somewhere else must be nice. But she also makes it kind of dark and scary so that they want to come home to her. Oh, I like that. Both her family and her imaginary friends and world to a much safer place. And she attributes the things that people do away from Sweet Valley as the things that she's seen her, her siblings do, which is, uh, her, her sibling and the parents do, which is smoke, be cruel. So the Jaguars are the parents. Yeah. Or, the or reflections. Yeah. Reflections of generally the, the only three people that Bleak Liz has ever met. Well, you pointed out yourself in your recap that only the leader really gets any sort of personality or and not a very much personality, but only the leader kind of stands out. Everyone else of the Jaguars is kind of this just background. They're all the same. So if it's kind of the reflection of the sibling, it makes sense that there's one that is that sibling in the story. And then the rest are just uh, this kind of blurry repetition of, of it all. Hmm. Yeah. How about this then? She's got a period for the first time. She doesn't know what it is and why. Um, and she turns to, Bleak Alice and Bleak Ned. And Bleak Alice just throws some sanitary products that she's got lying around the house at her and says, get on with it, get on with it. You No help from me, just get you know, get used to it. It's going to happen every month for the next such and such years. And Bleak Ned makes some hideous lewd comments about, yeah, you're fuckable now. Or something like that. And that's why Bleak, that's why Bleak Elizabeth and Bleak Jessica are without parental guidance in this. And that's why the initiation is to go into a 16-year-old boy's room because that's what, <gasps> she, that's what she thinks that love is now. Oh, God. And obviously she's got no idea what that is, so she ends up going into the wrong house and getting confused. And, right. Ugh, that's... And that's why the second initiation is, is, is more childish and what you'd expect the initiation to be. God, that's creepy and dark. I love it. I also think that a uh, bleak Alice just throwing them out here is very real with the kind of response, like don't get blood all over things. Yeah. That's a valid yeah. thing that could happen if she wasn't. Yeah. I assumed that she maybe got in a bit of a mess with her, her little cubby hole under the thing yeah, yeah yeah and now she just has to live with that and she's probably been smacked around for it as well because right. definitely don't get it elsewhere in the house so yeah Whew. well that was boom it's <laughs> super fucking depressing thanks goodbye everyone <laughs> and we're out okay should we uh 
draw a line on the Bleak Valley this this week. Okay, so now that we've been thoroughly depressed by Bleak Valley, get your jazz hands at the ready because we're going to rate this book from stupendous to good, meh, bad, and kill it with fire. And the fact that Raven and Wing were doing hand gestures throughout was just immense. <laughs> I wish you guys could see it. I'm genuinely sorry you missed it. We are never doing this on video. <laughs> no, we, I was just going to say we might have to do an episode on video. <laughs> so, yeah, let us know. Vote on this. See if we can vote down Raven. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Wing, you threw me under the bus first last time so i'm gonna throw you under the bus first of all i'm pretty sure it was raven who threw you under the bus oh is it well it was your book so you're partially responsible <laughs> but also yeah i'm fine with going first yeah. uh you let me run them up <laughs> yes because i can fail to raven. control me <laughs> uh, i'm actually gonna give it a low good uh in part just like last week because of this conversation but also while there was some weird stuff with how elizabeth dealt with her period I really liked a lot of it. Like I didn't love it the way I kind of hoped I would based on Doves talking about it previously with me, but it was an entertaining book. And I like the difference as we talked about extensively in this podcast. I liked that it did kind of ratchet things up with real repercussions and real tension. That was great. So yeah, low good for me. Low good. Raven? Uh, yeah, I'm also going to give it a low good. Uh, I was going to give it a, a, a sort of medium good, but I, the... The thing I didn't like about it was the fact that it it didn't seem to be the book that it said on the front of the book, if you know what I mean. It, it, I was expecting a book about the, the periods. I was, you know, I was, I was strapped in and gurned and ready to go about this. But what it seemed to be was a book about the twins going to San Diego and getting into scrapes with period stuff stuck at the beginning and at the end. And in a way, that's good. I think it's a case of, right, we've got to do a book about the periods. Right, we can't make an entire book about that. We'll incorporate it into something else. But it did. that meant it did come across slightly disjointed to me. But there were lots of stuff in there that was really good fun. Um, I hated Robin. I hated the Jaguars. But it was all good hate because you, weren't supposed, you were supposed to dislike them. So that's great. Uh, the, the, the tension was ratcheted up, as we said the repercussions felt real and the relationships that Robin had with her siblings and friends were refreshing and also well-rounded. So that was good. The fact that Becky was so much over the whole thing was amazing. The fact that her little sister was charming was, was great. And the fact that she was so set on pleasing these insipid horrible jaguars that that was great too so yes low good from me i'm just going with a regular good uh because i i think i have a lot of nostalgic love for this because to my mind this sort of this roughly era is where it starts getting interesting to me like as i've said i started on book three but i've got no idea what i bought next but I seem to remember that I didn't have the beginning books initially. So I sort of read what was coming out. So from the mid thirties all the way until I stopped buying. Um, and this is sort of 
one of the books that I bought brand new when it came out. So I think for that, it gets a bit of nostalgic love. I can actually remember physically picking up the copy that I still have now in WH Smith's and going, oh, I'm buying this one. And mum's going, what's it about? I'm like, nothing. Because, you know, even though uh, in England we're a lot more free about these things, nothing, it's fine. It's just just a book. Subtle. (laughs) Yeah. It's about horses. They're all about horses. Um, Yeah, so... Obviously, it gets a nostalgic pass, but I do agree with pretty much everything that's been said. Like, it was refreshing seeing them out of Sweet Valley. It was fun hating Robin and the Jaguars. Jaguars. Hate you all so much. Becky was awesome, Um, especially the way she just noped out of every situation. She's like, yeah, no, not my problem. How lovely is that? Leave Elizabeth there. Take Becky home. She's a much better sister. Yeah, I just liked it in general. I think, you know, we could have done... uh, It would have been nice to see more of the Jaguars because they were incredibly one-dimensional. It was like, Vicky is a bitch and the others, I don't even know how many they were, are also mean. You know, that's that's all we know. So it would have been nice to see a bit more of that. But yeah, I'll just put it in a solid sort of good... That's two weeks in a row with good yeah. from all of us. That's yeah. apparently this is a great run, even if we don't. Uh, even if maybe I think that Dove bigged it up a little too much. Uh, to be fair, I I think I think I've done you a dis- disservice by not clarifying that I mean this is where it starts to get good. Not meaning this book is the best book ever, but this is where the series starts hitting its stride and the books become more interesting. But I feel like I've, I've misled you by not clarifying. Well, clearly it is where it hits the stride. Like those are true statements you've made, but uh, we clearly are in a really great part of the series and team Grapplegate, even if I don't agree with everything they do, they're clearly great writers, even here and the best JB Suzanne for sure. Agreed. Yes, we do love Team Grapplegate, don't we? Okay, so I believe we have recapped, we have bleaked, and we have rated. So that is us done for today's podcast. So thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast about book number 42, Jessica's Secret, recorded on the 25th of February, 2018. Join us next time on the 16th of March to discuss Elizabeth's first kiss. You can access all of our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of nostalgicbookshelf.com. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted on taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all of your musical needs. We can be found on Twitter under Sweet Valley underscore, which is me, Dove, Devil's Elbow Pod, which is Wing, and Bookshelf Raven, which is, surprisingly enough, Raven. Next week, we'll be talking about Elizabeth's first kiss, so be sure to join us. Until then... Did you get your period?